Yesterday's concert is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. I say all the time that writing these songs, I like write them for myself first. It's a very self-indulgent activity, songwriting, in my opinion, but and it's not a bad thing. But also we made this album to share it. And so, you know, if we made this and never showed it to anybody, why <laughs> why yeah. why would we have done that? And so the act of sharing it and the act of anyone kind of like getting anything out of these songs is the the most satisfying, like fulfilling experience for all of us. And so yeah, I mean, I don't know if that praise fits in anywhere other than just affirming our choice to make the record and and motivating us to want to do it again. Because this this experience of sharing art with people is is addicting. Like it's, it's something mm-hmm. that feels that feels really profound and and right. And so we'll probably just want to keep doing it. And obviously, we would keep doing it if no one listened or if no one said anything nice about it. it it's extra motivation. Grab your earplugs for another episode of Yesterday's Concert, a podcast that celebrates live music. My name is Lance Ingram, and in this episode we talk to Julia Steiner of Rat Boys. We discuss the band's newest and perhaps best album, The Window. Plus we talk about why basements are better than attics. So I'm here today with Julia Steiner, front woman, vocals, guitar for amazing rock band, indie band, folk post-country band, Rat Boys. Julia, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm good, Lance. How are you? I am doing excellent. The weather's beautiful. I get to talk to you about this fantastic new album that you guys have put out. And that's what I'm going to tell you on the front end. I hope you like flattery because I'm coming in hot with it today. So yes. But first, I want to know, you did a show in an attic like two days ago. Can you tell yeah. me more about that? Yeah, dude. Well, yeah. So it was this place in Chicago. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's like the literal attic of a, like an old building in the Logan Square neighborhood. And some friends of ours have lived there over the years and were able to like help put us in touch with the kids who currently live there. And yeah, we just lugged all of our stuff up three flights of stairs and it was, hot but not too hot and crowded but crowded it was like kind of the perfect setup for a diy show but we haven't we haven't gotten to play too many house shows in the last few years especially here in chicago like most of the places that we used to play like house house venues and things are either literally not there anymore or don't know the people who live there so it was really cool to get back to that kind of space have you played in an attic before? Great question. Oh, I don't think so. We've played we've played up a few flights of stairs before. In Chicago, we've played an old DIY space called the gym down in Pilsen, which is like a third story walk up. It was actually an old YMCA, like a men's health oh, club. That's cool. Back in the twenties. Yeah. And it had like a basketball hoop and everything. Um, <laughs> Uh, that's about as close as we've come, I think, to be to being in another attic. So I'm guessing you've played lots of basements, though. Plenty of basements. Yes, mostly basements. Basements are great. A little more soundproofed. A little more... I, I think one underrated aspect of basements are they're kind of naturally cool all the time. Mm. At least ours is at home. It's like kind of like a cave. Like, calculated, for better or worse. And 
Yeah, it's nothing beats a basement show. That's those there are our favorites. Yeah, that's cool. Well, that's very awesome. And you had an album release show this weekend too, didn't you? Did that go well? Yeah, yeah, that was on Friday night. That was really fun. Uh, we got to play at this place called Shubas in Chicago, which is one of our favorite rooms. And it was also my birthday, so it was like a very, a very crazy Man. night. And I know my mom was there. She drove up Becky and, you know, a lot of our family and close loved ones. And it was just a big old celebration. We were, we were having a blast. There were two cakes involved. It was, there was a lot of good times to be had. So what an awesome day. Nothing oh my gosh. Memories. That's awesome. So cool. So. Well, as is yeah. tradition, we like to start with some icebreakers. So my first one for you, most of these are things that I've read from other interviews. I've read you think Jack Black is one of the best vocalists on the planet. And so I want to know what rap, boy song, what rap Boy song do you want him to guess on? Oh, my God. That's a great question. I've I... got four if you can't come up with one. Uh, okay, wait, wait. I, I want to try to come up with at least one to see if... If we could help, if we if we match up at all. Well, okay. one of the new songs that we have is called "Cross That Line," which is extremely kind of, in my mind, it's meant to be kind of silly and absurd. Mm-hmm. I feel like he would that one out of the park. That's that was one of them. To, yeah. Okay. Cool. I think there's a okay. We have a song called "Elvis Is in the Freezer," which is like an older song, but yep. at the very end, is that another? Okay. Cool. At yep. the very end, <laughs> I see you like raising your arms and trying. So that's a good sign. I at the very end of that one, I sing like as loud as I possibly can and like kind of wail. And I feel like Jack Black not only has amazing pitch, but also just a very he can project. He has like a very a lot of presence in his voice. And so he would he would crush that one, too. Yeah, that those yeah. come to mind right away. That's perfect. Yeah, we're going to. I love it. That's the best. I'm, I'm so glad we synced up on those. So moving on to the next question. He rocks. Hey, hey, fantastic. Him and Kyle Gass are just the best. Fantastic duo. Oh, yeah. Uh, so next question. I've read that when y'all are touring that you prefer to do a lot of the driving. So I was wondering, do you have a favorite road song? And why is it Tom Petty? Oh, goodness. Yeah. I mean, Tom Petty's a great soundtrack for a road trip. There's something about it, man. Especially in America. His yep. music just feels so American. When you're like, communing with the american interstate highway system yeah. which is such a beautiful thing to behold it's you know obviously it has its warts but you know yep. don't take that for granted for a second so that that's a good one i think you know obviously immediately i think of the modest mouse record their first mm. album this is a long drive for someone with nothing to think about that's a oh, great, great one choice. that we return to often yeah i think for me I, I listen to the Silverstone pickups a lot when we drive, especially at night. Their record, Carnavas, is my favorite night driving album. Got that out. Cheryl Crow, you know, I, there's so many. It's hard to choose. When you're, okay, so I like, I'm in Memphis and I drive to Nashville on like a weeknight for concerts yeah. and then I'll drive back afterwards and it's a three hour drive for me. So I get home around two in the morning or so. And I find that listening to something familiar, on the drive when I do a late night drive is always the best thing. Not something I can't really yeah. venture into something new or a first time. Is, are you the same way? Do you, is it familiar for late night drives? Totally. Yeah. I, I lean on my old standbys at night for sure. It's that's over some pickups is always there for me. And I like that record. Cause it's like, 
I I know it front to back, but I kind of feel like I'm discovering something new each time. Like mm-hmm. there's so much, there's so much distortion, so many layers. It's like it, it kind of sounds new each time. So that shit rocks. I'm I'm trying to think. Like I'm a big Sufjan Stevens fan, and any mm-hmm. of his music is like you know a cherished friend at this point. Mm-hmm. So I, I like listening to his records as well. Driving those like late night drives when you guys stay awake, kind of. It's kind of like talking to an old friend or something. Okay, so last question, and then we jump into the conversation. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. The Window is my album of the year. I'm calling it now. I don't care what comes out in the next few months. Do you have an album of the year so far for you? Definitely. Well, that's very kind of you to say. I I have two that I'm really, really into. The new Bully record is amazing. Mm. Alicia from Bully is one of my favorite songwriters and producers, so... Got to shout that out. I think my number one, though, is the new Youth Lagoon record. I'm like, mm. obsessed with it. I, That's uh, cool. Yeah, I love Youth Lagoon. And I was very sad when he kind of seemingly called it quits a few mm-hmm. years ago. And this new record is just, it came out of nowhere for me. And such a return to form I, it makes me kind of emotional. I got to see him in like a small club in Milwaukee month and it was one of the best shows ever so, so i'm still cool. spinning that one a lot that's awesome how does it compare to his previous stuff it's different i i think his his previous records were pretty like like easy for lack of a bit like like mm-hmm. very kind of sounded like they had this like there's a little bit more distance between the listener mm-hmm. and and him and this one feels a bit more immediate and kind of like some of those filters have been like removed and it's more direct and like the tones on the piano and all that are more like, I don't know if they're just warmer or more psychedelic. This feels more like real. And I don't know for where I'm at right now in my, my life, it feels good. So very cool. I love it. Well, so to talk about this fantastic album that you've released, it's only been out in the world for a few days. I want to go back a little bit. In 2020, you had big plans to tour and support devil's printer the world shut down but that's kind of the time that you started focusing on this project started creating this project do you think that freedom brought a lot of clarity that you wouldn't have otherwise gotten in creating the follow-up project to printer's devil yeah definitely i mean we were just so deeply in like tour mode we were like getting ready to go i think we were two days away from leaving and so when when it became clear that that wasn't going to happen, we kind of all of a sudden switched gears into writing mode way sooner than we would have otherwise. Usually kind of like tour for six months after a record comes out and then have some time to start thinking about the next record. And, you no. know, but there's usually a bit of a gap there. And for yeah. us, there really wasn't any gap between putting out a record and then starting immediately to work on the next one. So it was... A little bit of kind of a kick in the ass, but in a really cool way because we didn't have a deadline. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just like I felt I felt like, yeah, I had a lot of freedom to just play guitar and not worry about when it to be ready to show anyone and things like that. And yeah, the guy and I was very lucky because I was still am living with my bandmates and, you know, we were kind of able to get together as a bubble amidst all of the anxiety and you know Mm -hmm. worries about you know exposure and everything so yeah we 
we had the luxury of a lot of time on our hands. And I think these songs really benefited from that. Well, that's, I'm curious, as someone who's not a professional touring artist, what is the balance? I mean, you kind of touched on it. What is the balance of you're on the road, you have a, a deadline to write a project, but in comparison with this, it was just kind of the freedom to like let these songs breathe and they're writing. Like, so what was the balance? Like, what's the comparative balance versus a normal project when you're creating it? Yeah. I mean, I'm not super comfortable writing on the road. Like, I, mm-hmm. I definitely don't like, we don't have the luxury of, you know, having an entire day in a city to like have downtime and, and, you know, be playing acoustic guitar in the green room all the time and stuff. Like we're driving and like working kind of the whole day. And so my main little chunks of time on the road are when we're sound checking and I'm testing my mic and my guitar amp, literally in those like tiny micro bursts of little, little chunks of time. Like I, I would try to kind of experiment and just improvise for, you know, a minute a night or something like that and just try to come up with an idea and so rather than having those like tiny discrete moments i all of a sudden just had like literally like endless expanses of time and in a place where i feel so comfortable like on the road you're in a new place every day and it's you might you might be you know your body might be feeling weird you might not like how the traffic was that you know your your headspace is a little more irregular so yeah just being at home and i already had a few ideas written for the next Record, but having the time and space to really, like let them sit and develop and and then just playing guitar more often in a way where you're not performing for people but just messing around was just mm-hmm. very beneficial very nice for us yeah but and uh, i read too about like printer's devil that was kind of that was y'all's first time performing live in the studio correct yeah yeah okay so that my question was like how much of a precursor do you think that was to this project where it was like, I know that, do you think it kind of took the training wheels off to do it in that project where it freed you up for this project? Totally. Yeah, that was huge for us. Like, for some reason, before we did that with Printer's Devil, I was always really, like, nervous about trying to record live in the room mm-hmm. together because um, I had this mistaken, like, misconception that, if if one person screwed up or like made a small mistake that the whole take would be unusable but that's actually it's not true i mean it is if you record it with all of your gear really close together in a room where there's lots of bleed between the instruments but like you can set it up to where all of the instruments are isolated so that you know if i play a single bunk note you can just go back and fix it and then mm-hmm. everything else is still intact you know so once i had that revelation and we did it in the studio. It it is just so efficient, and it also creates this real like intangible feeling of like a group of people playing off each other. And so it's such a win win, like both practically and also like artistically. So yeah, I just like fell in love with that method. It it was a complete surprise how like mm-hmm. much uh, it suited our needs, like as a as a group. So yeah, we, we knew going into this next one that we wanted to do that again and push it as much as we could in that direction. So it was fun. Do you, do you think having that flexibility and that, that skill set to do that in the studio, do you think that freed you up as you were writing to know like, Hey, there's, there's this room for collaboration within the studios performing this live now. 
Totally. Yeah. And I mean, even taking it a step farther, like we we recorded the tape this time and knowing that you could still go back and make edits, even recording to tape, like nothing crazy, but like small edits was really freeing as well. And yeah, I mean, it was cool this time because it was the four of us and we like kind of hashed out the record together from the beginning. And we knew that it would be the four of us in the room playing the mm-hmm. songs and and we knew too that there there wasn't pressure to like express all of our ideas in the live performance. Like we we were all on the same page that we wanted to add overdubs and like, you know, I knew the vocals would be added later and so I didn't have to worry about uh, singing a flawless performance while I was playing. You know, so like we we kind of had a like an understanding of how it would go which was which was good and yeah it all it all came together really well i think we just got comfortable playing these songs over the course of many months so it was it was nice to have that extra time well and i know too with this album in the previous albums you would write alone and then you would bring this stuff to the band whereas with this album you wrote seeds and then you brought it to the band what kind of freedom as well as on the other end of that i mean what kind of freedom did that provide but also you're burying yourself in a very open way to say, Hey, I've written these words, please edit them with me. Like that, that's really, that's a lot of vulnerability. Yeah, totally. I mean, it, I just like, I don't know. These guys are like my brothers. Like I trust them completely. And it was, it was awesome. Great. Like, honestly, because like I still wrote the songs like by myself. And then instead of bringing them just to Dave and demoing them, just the two of us, I was able to bring them to the entire group and we could like work on them immediately, all start writing our parts together in the same room rather than like kind of, it it eliminated some steps. It was just a very kind of immediate creative experience for all of us. And yeah, we were we were very fortunate to be able to go up to Michigan. My like extended family has a house up in the far northern stretches of the Lower Peninsula in, in Michigan. And we hold up there for like 10 days in August 2020. Um, I mean, we were like literally isolated in the woods and demoed out a bunch of these songs. And yeah, like showing them the voice memos for like the window, like that song, which had come out just a couple weeks before then was very exciting you know to to like work on very new ideas together in that space yeah it was it was a really helpful awesome like it brought us all together even closer so oh and one thing that i loved reading about your band and about the story of y'all is just the the rotating lineup and how it hasn't been consistent until the last few years and then finding a, a quote by you where it says, my dream ever since I started writing songs was to be in a band, a proper band with consistent lineup to finally have a chance to play with your friends who are fully committed is all I could ever ask for. I, I mean, to have the dream, like a decade of ups and downs and highs and lows with this project, but then to kind of have a consistent band and put out one of the best albums of the year. I mean, and that's not just, I mean, I'm reading that everywhere. Like, I'm not trying to just flatter you. I'm really, I'm reading that. Like, how does that feel to have the culmination of those two dreams coming true right here. It's awesome. I mean, it truly, it's, it's like, <laughs> it's all that I need. Like I don't strive. My version of success doesn't involve like Grammys or, you know, big mansions or like, I don't care really about, 
obviously <laughs> yeah. it would be nice to have financial stability, whatever. But like I, yeah. my, my goal has always been to just, yeah, like in a band, in a group mm-hmm. with people I trust and love. And so, I mean, it's been a journey to get here and I don't take it for granted ever because especially at our age, like I just turned 31, the youngest in our group is Sean and he turns 30 in a couple months. And like, it's harder and harder to, you know, to find people who are willing to spend this much time making art. Like it's, it's not a very like viable path forward. It feels like sometime. like, yeah, I, you never know if it's going to happen. Like, it's just, it's yeah, just a very lucky thing. So that's, I mean, that's, that's all really cool. And my thought process goes back to when I was a teenager and my dreams of being a rock star and wanting to do all the things. And like, you know, I gave up on it for different reasons, but, if you could go back and tell yourself like, Hey, I mean, cause I think about telling, go back and telling myself all the concerts I've seen and how I would freak out. How do you think you would react to be able to go back to like 16 year old, 18 year old Julia and tell her like, Hey, this is what life looks like. How do you think you would react? Yeah, I think I, I think I would have just been really, really excited. I mean, like I, I came from a place where like growing up, I played uh, guitar and started writing songs literally just by myself in my bedroom and often my bathroom to try to get cool Those acoustics. acoustics. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah, so like, and I had friends, you know, like I was, I was social, but like I didn't have any friends who also played music or like mm-hmm. had any interest in doing that. And so I wasn't like unhappy, but I think I was just very kind of solidly alone in that. And just having that knowledge that I wouldn't be alone forever playing music and writing music, I think would have been really uh, reassuring and would have kept me going. And I, I'm glad, to, I mean, to be fair, I met Dave at a very young age, like we were 18 when we met. So um, it was, I was still very young and like we kind of just became very close right away and like gravitated toward each other, um, just liking all the same bands and, and, you know, sharing new music with each other and like, jamming for lack of a better word so yeah it it's having met so many more people this community is just like it's the best part it's why we keep doing this so did you ever think there would be like in those early days did you ever think there would be a point where you just would have to give up ever meeting those kind of people yeah i just didn't really know like i Place I went to college, I went to Notre Dame, which is like not mm-hmm. known as an arts college at all. Mm-hmm. Like it's, and I, I went more, I was planning to be a journalist or hoping to be a writer in some way. And so I just didn't really have a notion of that even being possible. Like I didn't go to college seeking out people to start a band with. I just thought if it happens, that would be cool, but maybe not, probably not, you know? And so it just all kind of was a massive like surprise. It felt like a lucky, you know, like hitting the lottery or something. But that's not even a good metaphor because I didn't buy a lottery ticket. You know what I mean? Like I, it just, (laughs) it just like happened and I just kind of ran with it. And and to be fair, like we didn't, we didn't really start pursuing like a career in music for many years. Like we, we graduated and we finished, you know, that chunk of our lives, which was like five years. And then didn't really start like working with anyone in the industry at large until 2017. And so you know, we were just doing it for fun. Like I had side jobs and my attitude was like, I'm in my early twenties. Like 
why why the fuck not and like my parents yeah. i was very lucky were supportive and said mm. yeah like work work a weird side job and do this like why not so just get let's well, i was talking the other day to the the brother sister duo that are in Dury, and we were talking about how like the best ideas are kind of the unintentional ones and i mean that's kind of like looking at this project now it's like you had these grand plans for 2020 and then that all kind of fell apart and i mean even talking about how you and Dave came together, it was kind of unintentional. And then you never really thought you were going to pursue this, but it did. I mean, what is your perspective on kind of like following the universe and letting these ideas blossom? Yeah, that's such a nice way to think about it. I mean, I I do think about that sometimes, like when something special happens or even the tiniest thing, like if I'm, you know, driving around and I, you know, see someone have a beautiful interaction with a stranger on the street i often think like everything that in my life that good or bad that like happened led me to be here at this exact moment in time and like for that i'm grateful and this feels correct like this feels right you know and so yeah just kind of appreciating that trajectory and like um yeah finding opportunities to like mess around with different things that you might not have if if things had gone differently like i don't know in 2020 we i learned how to like you know edit video in a very <laughs> strange rudimentary way and like i learned how to like make a volcano erupt in adobe after effects and like all these you know we we learned all these odd skills that we might not have definitely probably wouldn't have otherwise but it was it was all like i don't know a way to stay close with our community and like yeah cope and have fun and yeah it was like it was like the benefit of of the like shitty parts of life at that time but yeah i mean it's kind of a deep question i'm I'm not totally sure i think i'm still figuring it out like how That's to okay. how to you know live in the moment and appreciate the you know the random trajectory that we're all on well like what are the moments within the band that make you feel like, like you kind of go back to what you said about like everything feels right right now. And you're like, you're on the right path. So like, what are those moments that you feel that? Yeah. I mean, well, something that comes to mind immediately was like, I mean, there's big ones, like what I'm about to say, which is last, last November, we got to go on tour with this band Guster. who's like mm -hmm. one of my favorite bands of all time. And I grew up listening to that band and like at the final night of the tour was in my hometown in Louisville at a club I, I loved to go to when I was younger. And, you know, they brought me on stage at the end to sing If It Makes You Happy by Sheryl Crow together. And I was just like, this is, this is my life. This is insane. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And like those tiny things where it's like, how did I get here? Like, this is, this is awesome. But I don't know, even beyond that, just kind of like the small quiet moments when we'll like pull off at a rest stop in like, the i forget what it's called there's like this beautiful valley in oregon and there's like a rest stop that overlooks this massive expanse like patchwork fields and we'll pull off and just kind of stare into the distance together and it's like all of the all of the winding paths and like decisions we've made and things we've said yes to have like led us to be here enjoying this beautiful place together in this moment in silence like it's it's really nice mm. to just sit back and appreciate you know, places music takes you. It's pretty wild. No, that's beautiful. And it's, I mean, hearing you talk about these things, they're all very like internal for lack of better words. Cause I mean, yeah. you know, my thought is like, 
when somebody tells you like i mean like i i really am not exaggerating like every time i read about this album i read about like best indie album of the year all these accolades and things like that that people are attributing to the album like where does that noise fit into that emotion i don't know i mean we've never really we've never really gotten like praise <laughs> i don't know like i i i mean that's not fair like i think people have said nice things about our music in the past and we really appreciate that especially because like i say all the time that writing these songs i like write them for myself first it's a very self-indulgent activity songwriting in my opinion but and it's not a bad thing but also we made this album to share it and so you know if we made this and never showed it to anybody like why <laughs> why yeah. why would we have done that and so the act of sharing it and the act of anyone kind of like getting anything out of these songs is the the most satisfying like fulfilling experience for all of us and so yeah i mean i don't know if if like that praise fits in anywhere other than just making affirming our choice to make the record and and mm -hmm. you know motivating us to want to do it again because this this experience of sharing art with with people is is you know addicting like it's, it's something mm -hmm. that feels that feels really profound and and write and so we'll probably just want to keep doing it and obviously you would keep doing it if no one listened or if no one said anything nice about it it's extra motivation to keep doing it mm. that's really beautiful well that's i mean as i kind of start to wrap up i do want to like i, I was listening I, I went back and listened to your entire discography today in succession and i was trying to kind of piece things together and see where things flowed and wondering like spiritual i'm fascinated with lineage of bands like just how they grow yeah. and they evolve over time and so that's what do you feel like this album is a bit of a turning point for rap boys i mean it definitely feels like one listening to it now but maybe i'm just because i love it so much i'm overinflating it no i mean i hope it is like i i hope that this is another step in us becoming like more confident and self-assured and and i think it's a good affirmation of our tendency to be pretty adventurous sonically and i mean even again, even if people didn't necessarily like that aspect of our records, like I, I think it came out really well in that way, just the general variety of like songs on it. And so I think I would be interested in, in, you know, pushing that even farther and kind of just, yeah, not, not like shying away from us, any sorts of, you know, impulses just because they might be out of place or something. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I'm just I think we're just excited to to keep going. And I'm also a very big like like band chronology nerd. Like mm -hmm. one of our favorite road trip activities or like tour activities mm -hmm. is like listening to a band's discography, like a record every day. Like you start mm -hmm. with their first record cool. and then yeah. the next day listen to their next and so on and so forth. And it's so rewarding and it's just so cool to see how, you know, the choices that bands make over time and maybe what motivated them and like it's in, it's so interesting, you know, with the band, I'm thinking like a band like Built to Spill or like, this mm -hmm. is the one where they moved or, you know what I mean? Like there's mm -hmm. like all these little outside factors that change a band's sound. And so it's cool to kind of follow along, be a part of the ride. So let's, I heard one artist refer to like each album as like a chapter in a book. And yeah. that's kind of how I've started to like reframe it. So how do you think, what do you think this chapter in y'all's book says? Like, how do you think this is framed in your general book? Oh man, I have no idea. Yeah, I, well, I think I, I really don't know. I, I thought of it though as a, a chapter that's kind of 
ending slash beginning because this mm. it was the last time that we were able to get up to Michigan to demo because that my family sold that house like yeah. last year. And so we won't be able to go up there again. And, and we had demoed out all of our records up there except the first one. And so that was kind of the end of an era. But yeah, I, I think it's hopefully a, a new beginning as far as, yeah, our like desire to keep pushing the envelope and becoming a tight live band with more diverse perspectives and like well-rounded approach as far as all four of us getting in the room together and and getting our hands dirty um so i can't even begin to like know i feel like this will we'll we'll have more clarity and context maybe on this chapter when we've written the next one but yeah yeah i'm excited to figure it out too we'll see that's awesome. And well, I cannot wait for the next chapter, even though this chapter's only been out for like three days now. So it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Such a good, I'm, I just want to live in this chapter for a little while. But yeah, well, Julia, thank you so much for talking today. Thoroughly enjoy it. Like I said, nothing's going to change my mind. Album of the year, my favorite oh, album. Yeah. Thank you so much for releasing it. Thank you, Lance. You're the best. That I really appreciate the kind words. Well, Thanks. I'm Lance Ingram, and this is yesterday's concert. Thanks for listening to another episode of my show. For more live music podcasting, check out our other show, Jam Journals. If you're feeling kind, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and check us out on all the social media platforms. Email us at info at yesterdaysconcert.com or visit our website, yesterdaysconcert.com. So until next time, give us a subscribe, tell your friends, and most importantly, take care of your shoes. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.